Hello and welcome to a new episode of Product and Cake. Today another special episode because we have a guest with us. This is super exciting, um, but obviously also super important here with me in the virtual recording studio is Goncha. How is it going? Hello, Paul. I'm good. How are you doing? And hello and welcome to Luki, our special guest for today. How are you doing, Luki? Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm super excited to also participate in this. So thank you for having me, guys. Today, we have a super special episode because, uh, as you know, uh, Goncha is a super seasoned product expert and Lukas is running an outstaffing company as a tech expert full of tech consultants in Poland. So here with me today in the recording is product and tech. Sounds very <laughs> close to our podcast title and we want to go through a new startup idea and I hope I get very nice insights on first steps, what to look at, how is the ideal team set up and whatever our conversation will lead us to. So stay tuned to this episode packed of insightful information and now both seems a little bit pressured by my introduction but <laughs> to break the ice up front let's start with a good old check-in question and the check-in question today is if you could travel anywhere for only one minute where would you go Lukas do you want to to start yeah I'll go somewhere warm to just offload that coldness of mid central European winter at the moment Okay, but make it more concrete. Somewhere warm is, <laughs> it could be the basement where maybe oh, readings on. <laughs> Hawaii? How about Hawaii? Hawaii? Okay, nice. That sounds good. Yeah, before we pressed record, Lukas already had a very interesting questions that how often can we go there or um, can we bring anything uh, from there, which was really, really interesting and already showed a little bit that technical mindset. And I really loved it. It was amazing to see. Yeah, um, that's the difficult of techies when you give check-in questions and they want to have the context and the requirements very <laughs> detailed. <laughs> and then the entire podcast is about the check-in question. Yeah. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> no worries. We... Um, but Paul, I'm interested in your answer as well before I think of my answer. Yeah, I think um, even though it's freezing cold outside, I would uh, stay in the cold and go to Mount Everest, the top of Mount Everest Ooh. to mm. see the, the view for one minute. And I think maybe this is already enough time to be back afterwards. Good one. Question is what happened so if you go can you come back earlier than one minute so no. can you come no no I'm, I'm afraid that one minute with the current clothing i have on right now if i go on top of mount everest i will die hmm, maybe you are seriously injured maybe but... <laughs> hypothermia okay another question could we uh um, go back directly to the hospital right and... <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i see it's maybe a little bit dangerous but also exciting Gonja, what is your location for your one minute travel? i would i would go and visit my grandma it's very short i know it's just a minute but it's been so many years that i haven't seen her in real life and it's been only virtually hmm. so and 
it, the weather is nicer there, so yeah, I will go there. Nice. Awesome, yeah. Then maybe you should um, prepare her. <laughs> That she's yeah, totally <laughs> someone suddenly is just going to be there for just one minute. <laughs> it looks like me and it is me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, super nice check-in question. And that always opens the room and uh, lowers the pressure, I hope. Because uh, we want to dive into the topic. But before that, Lukas, maybe you can introduce yourself and how did you how did it came that you are now leading a company full of tech experts that pulls you most likely in plenty of projects at the same time? Sure, uh, it's actually interesting because it's uh, it's it's not by design. So the company happened on site when I was building startups in Berlin. You know, since two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, there was a group of people circulating around me, and also through my travel before that. And we really, really liked working together. We established at some point that values of that group are what what is really dear to us, the transparency, commitment, and ownership, and a bunch of others that were added later, curiosity, initiative, and fellowship. And because of that, uh, when those startups, when the journey of those startups was ending one way or another, we kept together. And then, you know, LLI happened as a spin-off of that, all of these people staying in touch. Cool. That sounds That's like an amazing story and what a nice values. Uh, we jumped through them very quickly. Can you share them again? What were the sure. yeah. values and what did you add? Absolutely. We actually uh, structured them in a pyramid. So we have a base, yeah. uh, which is the most important, you know, fundamental values. And those are transparency with one another, commitment that we say that we do and, you know, we own what we do. And that's a third one, ownership. So ultimately being responsible for something, being accountable for something. And on top of this, we say we want to stay curious and learn. And we show initiative towards things that we work work with and towards our colleagues. And finally, at the very top and the last layer is fellowship, as in together, mm -hmm. that we want to do it together and potentially build strong ties with one another. Nice. That sounds great. Uh, just you. a question. I always ask people when uh, one of their values in the company is transparency. Um, and please feel free to tell me that if you don't want to answer it. But also, does it mean that you are transparent with um, with the salaries? We are not transparent with salaries. Transparency to me okay. means uh, being rad radically candid, as pretty much as in the book as well, mm -hmm. with one another and informing one another. But it starts with such a simple thing like, I have a task force which sets a context on Slack, for example, for a given product or project or, I don't know, office situation. And I explicitly care to share only there, not in one-on-one, -on -one, to avoid miscommunication, to avoid gossip, mm -hmm. uh, to encourage communication in which I am not afraid to say to people, um, as a leader and a trendsetter in this, uh, what I would be not afraid to say to anyone individually face-to-face. -face. That's the idea. Okay, yeah. Got it. If you, Thank uh, you. If you head yep. over to LLI, no, llinformatics.com, then you can also find this pyramid and all the other nice things about Lukas and his company. But today I want to use this awesome situation with both of you to, to give me some feedback. So 
imagine for what reason ever I had the best idea of my life and I have a super awesome startup idea and I want to make it to become a reality. So um, what what is your first questions if someone of your friends steps by and say, hey, I have a super nice idea of our company and you are working in this tech industry somehow, I thought so. So what what should I do next? What is or what should I do first? Maybe this is the the step to begin. Mm -hmm. Lukas, do you want to start? I can start. My, my first idea is to have a bit of a ping pong with that person to see how set in reality, in, in objective reality, that idea is, you know, just to cut off hype and understand what our actual possibilities or are we just building, I call it, and I frequently call it that way, Facebook for dogs, only green, you know? <laughs> <laughs> which is feasible which is if you can build it i'm sure my dog would have a lovely profile there um but yeah that's a very good uh, point that it needs to be feasible and interestingly i think that is one difference between the uh, or one complete uh, complementary uh, difference between product and tech here because i was thinking to go a little bit more into the why why this person wants to start this um where do they want to take it so a little bit more abstract a little bit more feeling and a little bit more emotions involved mm -hmm. not necessarily make it tangible we will figure out how to make it tangible later mm -hmm. so very good my first question is always what is your idea and i met already several <laughs> people that are answering me oh i can't tell you because the idea is so great and you would definitely steal it from me <laughs> and i think this is not the way how you start a startup right especially if you meet people that are somehow in the startup world for whatever reason share the ideas most of them have more than enough to do for a lifetime or two And they will not jump immediately on your idea because in general, the idea is never new, right? It is about finding experts and tackling the idea and make it a reality. The idea mm -hmm. is maybe 20% and 80% is doing it. So my idea is you may know that the world is full of bad news, right? I mean, everywhere, every time it's so overwhelming. And there are some newspapers that try to... Um, They try to push the good news. It seems to not work. They don't have good click rates. But what I want to do is a good news radio because you have plenty of off-screen time where you just want to listen to something. So why not have a radio station that is explicitly focusing on good uh, podcast episodes, on good news, on good examples, nice books, um, inspiring music, inspiring stories, combining all the great sources out there to give me a constant stream of something inspirational and motivating to don't lose... Uh, belief in humanity mm -hmm. wow you come prepared <laughs> <laughs> so what what should i do now can we build it would you are you in i'm in i'm in whatever you're doing man. <laughs> <laughs> this is not working for this episode <laughs> give me contra <laughs> um okay so for that i would start asking are you set on the format and why are you set on the format ah, so down. you said radio 
Yeah, yeah, radio or audio content, because I think everyone is tired of reading. We are sitting in front of the computer screen all the time and it's too much. We need to have a walk outside. We need to drive our cars, travel in the train, whatever. Mm -hmm. All right. So you want some format that is without an interface. It does not necessarily need to be a radio, right? Yeah. It's most likely an app that plays audio files. <laughs> okay. What I do in moments like this is I correlate towards an existing market and try to find out if there is something which is already solving this problem and challenge mm -hmm. the idea from that perspective. So for me, in what I've heard in my brain, YouTube is solving this because it's my call what channels I listen to and I carefully picked the ones which are, let's say, more creative and positive than, than normal news. And, you know, it's just in my pocket. And when I'm on a go, all of this content gets downloaded and I can just listen to it. I don't watch it. I listen to it on the go. How is that different? Yeah, that's a good point. One big difference is obviously that you uh, don't want to provide all your personal data to a global marketing company. Fair. <laughs> and maybe you also could doubt that the YouTube algorithm is always wanting our best. So I yeah. think it should. Oh, and one more super important thing is I'm constantly overwhelmed by all the possibilities of YouTube, right? The, the, the algorithm tries to pull me into strange worlds. And if I start trying to find myself these kind of content, it's much too much. I, I don't have the resources anymore to to find these channels. Mm -hmm. So go on, yeah, please, Lukas, yeah. I'm just tempted to ask, I'm sorry for interjecting, Nansha, about, but how would you solve this problem exactly? Why would you consider it a problem? Because people tend to navigate, or frequently they don't know what they want, and they just follow what YouTube tries on them, right? Yeah, I have a super awesome crew with me. Two of them are in this podcast already okay. and we would have something like a shared uh, messenger group where we just throw in the inspirational stuff and then it's auto generating this audio feed and in the ah. app itself i just have a huge play button and i press it and it starts no need anymore to take any um decisions mm -hmm. All right. So I have some, I'm going to take the perspective of the user in this uh, step and ask you a little bit of who do you think is the user now? And that specific user, how that specific user is solving the need, their uh, need of positive news. Maybe there is another news agency that they're following, or maybe there is another podcast they're following. So yep. I'm asking a little bit here about the user uh, research that has been done, the market research that has been done, or no, there is nothing has been done. And it just opens a question mark for you. Yeah, um, definitely now spontaneous user research is we have a group <laughs> of people that are listening addicted to TED Talks, right? They fulfill mm -hmm. kind of that yeah. already. And then there's a newspaper called Perspective, they um they try to to push these positive news and yeah most and there are plenty of podcasts 
I would say. Mm -hmm. St. Harris, mm -hmm. for example, is, or Huberman Labs, they are yeah, pushing out infame content you can just dive into. It's um, unbelievable, valuable. Mm -hmm. But always this overworked uh, startup Berlin tech bubble people um, um, going out of the office and scrolling through their podcatcher and then are bored and then select something and then they listen to 30 TED talks in a row and um, that is also not sustainable and this is not fulfilling because it's it's too much it's not curated it's not balanced between maybe music and stories and fictional stuff and real stuff and actionable input but maybe also holidays for the brain in between hmm. mm -hmm. I love the idea. I mean, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think in one of the other episodes, we talked a little bit about um, all the projects, all the side projects, and uh, how it is to get into another side project. This is how you get into a side project. You start ideating on a fake idea in an episode of a podcast, and it becomes a side project. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Then let us put together what would I need? I mean, you mentioned Goncha already the, the user research. How, how mm -hmm. intense would you do it? Would you hire now a, a research lab that is doing user tests behind this mirror wall and excessive interviews and I spend all my savings to it? Well, in general, I would advise against anything that you need to spend all of your savings on. Um, please do not do that. If there is something that you need some funding for, either specifically select a certain amount of budget and know what you would expect as a return of investment of that budget that you're setting aside for that uh, project or product or um, what you want to do. Or you can uh, look for... Um, even in a very, very early stages, you can look for angel investors or other people who uh, first believe also in the same direction that you uh, want to go and bring a lot of expertise as well because they might have done something similar in the past or they might have invested something similar in the past or not even similar, but they have gone through this path before and they will ask all the hard questions because they are going to give you the money. And all of those hard questions moves you to find the um, answers. And the third thing that they bring to the table usually is their connection. So they might say, oh, actually, I know someone from uh, TEDx Talks. Uh, maybe you can uh, have a chat with this person and ask a little bit about their audience. What kind of audience usually listens to TEDx Talks? And this can be your sort of user research. Instead of going directly uh, to a firm or to a, uh, a consultancy that creates that user research for you, you can find people, you can find your users as, as I ask you, like, where does your user right now go to? Where does, do they find that positive content right now? You named a few things. Go to those sources and see what people have in common, what needs do they have in common there that uh, they they gathered. So I think you can do it without a extensive investment. Cool. 
Great. Okay, let's imagine I uh, found the one person that listened to this podcast and said, okay, nice, let's do it. I have a small budget, maybe yeah, part, part of my savings, a little bit money from the business angel, a few friends and family who, who agreed to spend some time and expertise into it. And Lukas, now we are meeting and I say, hey, I pitched you the idea already. Um, it can't be so complicated to give me an app with a big play button, right? I mean, look, I, I drafted it already in Miro here. So what? <laughs> how do we make it reality? What is from your point of view the next logical technical step here? So for me, it's about people first. So I agree with everything that Concha said. But I also would seek maybe a co-founder or uh, someone to ping pong ideas mm -hmm. on your on your team to join you early on, because that's a quick verification if there is a second, third person maybe who believe in this. Um, I don't believe that at this point we are ready to have a technical discussion. I mean, sure we could evaluate and and you know present some roadmap, but the reality is, or what I prefer to do really, is that you could um, still staying in the product domain cl create clickable mockups, for example, using Figma, and further down test these with your user base and even more pitch even further towards angel investors for bigger round. Um, depending on where in the timeline we do that, it could even be a matter of, you know, accumulating small five digits or accumulating high six digits in your seed round, for example, for your idea, right, from angels and, and friends and family. So, um, and More importantly, it helps you to redefine precisely what you want and how it's going to not even look like visually, but how the flow between different screens and different steps will be like. And this has a tremendous value for a tech person to break down and to, you know, understand, okay, there is a mobile component, all right, we'll need some sort of backend with API and maybe library of these things that we're going to stream, or maybe we integrate with third parties to stream, but I'm... I don't think it's very easy to ask these questions till I have a bit of an overview of how we imagine this application. So a single, you know, napkin-made drawing of a, of a play button wouldn't suffice to me. I, I would come back with more of these questions, yeah. Okay, cool. Then uh, let us imagine I have now um, the first clickable prototypes you see the flow you are very surprised because it's really not not much more than this play thing and then it has a nice animation that is somehow ai generated obviously and um, looks cool and gives you a nice um, gives you a nice feeling of okay we are take care of you just relax take your bike and just go on a nightly ride and I also got now the question from uh, the first potential seed investors and they constantly ask me, okay, how much money do you need? What, what kind of team do you need? And what is your answer to that, Lukas? Would it be, what do I need to kick this off? 20 engineers or? No, I'm a, I'm a big fan of starting small. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, in the middle, I need to add a little bit of a disclaimer for mm -hmm. the listeners that we are jumping through a lot of hoops and steps right now to make it a little bit more. It's This is not the realistic timeline necessarily <laughs> that right after that we jump into the um, angel investor and da-da-da. So we are we are exaggerating the timeline. So probably in, before this step, uh, Paul should uh, maybe try an MVP, maybe even create a 
free YouTube channel that constantly has the live streams and gets at least a thousand listeners uh, that are constantly in this live and then approaches the technical um, guidance. So mm-hmm. please have this in mind that this is not necessarily the, uh, the realistic timeline for doing things. Very good point. Yeah, thank you for mentioning it. Okay, but if I got you correctly, then you are saying um, I need to, I need to prove the traction to the idea first, and most likely this is also something the investors would like to see first. Exactly, you need to prove that there is a need and you are capable of fulfilling that need, even if it is not necessarily a need. You are, you were capable of finding a new answer or an answer to something that people didn't even know that they needed but when they saw the solution they were like wow this is super cool so uh, when you have validated your uh, assumption then you know that yes this is what i need to build then you have agreed with the investors and then the investor asks you okay how much money do you need how many how big of a tech team do you need to build this and then this is the time that we approach lukash Okay, then, sorry, Lukas, we need to postpone your answer. One more question. And so, Gonchil, I, I see the point, right? But my my key thing was that I think YouTube is not suitable for my use case. So when I have a super successful YouTube channel that provides maybe eight hours long listening streaming shows, then I would have invested a lot of time and money into YouTube marketing, right? And one could say, hey, just continue with that. Obviously, it works. But my vision is to step aside of the um, big data hole and uh, the big overwhelming room website full of possibilities. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So this was just an example of your highest uh, riskiest assumptions that your assumption was like, oh, maybe not this many users are going to listen. Then mm. with YouTube, you can validate that. But maybe this is not necessarily your concern. Your concern is that um, how can I validate the news that I'm going to share? Do I have a team that verifies this news that not to share any fake good news? So, um, Maybe that's your highest risk assumptions. But important thing before approaching the tech implementation is that you have clarified the answers to these riskiest assumptions. And how could I set numbers to it, right? So would a YouTube channel, to stick with that example, with 500 users show traction or 50,000 users, how, how can I put numbers into my assumptions? Depends what you want to achieve at the end and what your um, addressable market size is in general. So yes, if you say that um, I just want this product to be for kids who are go- who are in Berlin, who are between 15 and 19 years old and are like da-da-da. So this is quite a small sample. For that, even if you have 20 active listeners, that is a perfect sample size. Yeah, I see. I would also add that maybe asking for money is a good thing, right? Finding 20 people who pay maybe five euros to get access to the stream and they can play it with their podcatcher, for example. 
is exactly, yeah. a way of validation. But I see, I see. We need to hire you for more consultancy in in forming our highest risk assumption. Super nice keyword. Available to anytime. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Cool. Okay. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Lukas, now I finally uh, validated this and I'm rushing too fast, I know, but I want to clarify or I want to hear your perspective on this initial team size. Um Do I need to have this one engineer that is brilliant and do everything or do I need to hire hire you and you provide a full team, fully staffed team or what is what is a good thing to start? I mean, uh, the, the answer is it depends because I'm a, uh, concha completely on this. You know, if you have a verification that shows us, look, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of listeners in multiple Uh, geographies, right? Uh, then we need to have uh, coverage and in those geographies, for example, from a perspective of zoning on AWS to ensure that we can uh, support them with a minimal lat lat latency, right? On the minimum delay. So um, that is one extreme. And another extreme is like we start really small. So depending on this, I guess you also have a different founding because you are able to justify or investors are able to justify that spending with you. Um, but I, either way, I would start very small. And I would start with setting up a proper and healthy process. I would start by, um, you know, delivering MVP as soon as possible because it could be a write-off, right? And, and we, we just don't want to lose effort and money and time on this. Um, verify that with a potential uh, first clients or first paying users and go from there, really. Uh, just the only important thing is maybe a decision on a tech stack um, if you would know that majority of your users will be Apple users or majority of your users will be Android users or you, you see a mix in that, that could that could be an important factor for making the decision. Uh, if you go with some sort of you know abstract technology that transpires to both iOS and Android afterwards or do you go with native native development? Just It's rather uncommon these days to go with pure one platform, but maybe for whatever reason, it would just be Apple users who would listen to it and then you could go with Swift. Um, there's a lot of other questions that I would have related to the content. Are you creating content yourself? Is it, is it, is, do you need some sort of content management system at the backend? Uh, how would that work? You know, would like to deep dive on that. Alternatively, if you don't, and if you take content from somewhere else, what kind of moderation happens and what kind of integrations happen to bring that content to your platform or to your stream, to those users directly from, from the original source based on that, you know, another you know, a couple of tick boxes to be checked for what technology is best for it. Um, should it work, you know, offline and prep this? Should it stream live? A couple of other choices. And finally, maybe a deployment and server choice. Um, I mean, I kind of already mentioned AWS, but there's obviously a bunch of others there that you could go with uh, that will do the job equally well. Um, yeah. And frankly, lastly, what is important at those decisions to me is availability of the talent. So if you see the perspective from the really one, two people that initially will work with you, and by the way, you don't need to hire and you don't have to go with software houses. You can just find freelancers, especially in, in Berlin. There's a plenty of passionate people that will work with you on a short term basis to build your MVP and then try to, you know, see if it gains traction before you start building team internally. So. That's how I would approach it. Awesome. 
Nice. What you mentioned that really caught my attention was about the decision on which tech stack. And this was always a question of mine, especially because I'm not very uh, technical, that how companies choose between uh, like Golang or Ruby on Rails or hmm. um, Java, or how, how do you make this decision? <laughs> well, I guess there is... <laughs> I would say there, there are, that I see two or three strategies for making this decision. So frequently in early stage startups, the um, decision is made by the first coder, who frequently also is called CTO, simply because they have to give those titles, you know, market expectation, investor expectation, and so on. And they will go with whatever they know. Okay, so that is how the choice is defined. Second one is. Um, if you think of those programming languages as tools in your tool belt, and you actually dwell on an idea where you have to go with it, then it might make sense as well to make a decision, very conscious decision against certain technology. So um, just to give you an idea, if we want to build a real-time system, like some sort of messenger for internet, I don't think that using scripting language would be the best solution for this, such as uh, Ruby or Python, simply because how these languages work at the, you know, low level and how they scale for big big uh, message exchanges queues which you would have to either integrate with something externally build you know rabbit mq or queuing system next to it and as your as your system grows it also increases your deployment costs versus versus circumstances in which um you have a you know something like elixir or erlang uh, or scala or any other real-time system which is way better fit for uh, building real-time systems. It's just all about the abstractions that the language offers and performance and ease of coding deployment and, and, and availability of talents. Those are my factors. Um, yeah, and uh, then the third scenario would probably be the situation where you hire externally and these people bring certain knowledge, maybe even you know bring experts from third party which can solve entire problem in, in a single uh, product of the shelf that you buy, that you buy. Uh, Twilio is Twilio is one of these right for for immediate messaging and real time notification systems and so on Twilio is a perfect example you just don't have to build any of that and we live in an age where almost any component you can think of high level component is uh, available as a software as a service or integration out of the box nice that was really really interesting so then based on that i would say another note paul that when you're going to approach the um, technical experts you need to a little bit also give them a vision of where do you want to take it in the future future so if you for example on top of this just a button for playing you want to add maybe a chat room with people that want to talk to each other and all be happy maybe uh, that impacts the decision of how to build this or maybe not hmm. yes definitely the vision is super important and what i also take uh, from this awesome conversation is talking about it and maybe i should name the episode it depends <laughs> because <laughs> it depends on everything basically but nevertheless even though it looks or uh, here is complicated the key point is to start out right because this was your yeah. first um, answer to the last question lukas this um it is also a good idea to start with what you know already or you know someone who can do it and then you have the prototype and don't 
be too long in the super hard problems because I think you can fall in a rabbit hole for basically every topic everywhere. And your sure. goal as founder is to jump around and dive as deep as necessary and then come up again and go into the next one. Yes, I agree. Uh, for, for me, it's just to understand the consequences, right? Because the decision towards something means that it's taken, you know, that you're not going to be able to do something else. So like uh, what just has been said that if you want to add a chat later, sure, it can be done. But maybe for this, you will have to build parallel infrastructure just for this, just for that microservice, just for that one feature to have it in your application, right? Um, and I'm not saying sit down and predict every possible outcome. That's also impossible and it's also not feasible. I think it's it's better to start something even with the wrong technology and realize it early on than not start anything and try to plan forever, right? So yeah. there, was a, there was a whole season of uh, 2016 to 2018 when pretty much every startup in Berlin was started in Ruby on Rails because it was also a fashion thing, right? You, you might remember that and it doesn't yeah, mean that fun it, days. <laughs> yeah and it just doesn't mean it's best for everything but it also means that if you have a lot of people on the market that can build it for you and that you can build that uh, mvp even if it's going to have a performance problems or whatever right the fact that you have something to show that also as a founder to your investors and your audience that you delivered is already such a step such an important step in the right direction I have so many more questions and <laughs> there are plenty of topics we just scratched on the surface. Um, but I would say for this episode, it's enough. Thank you, Lukas, very much for stepping by here. And Absolutely. for every listener, um, recommend this episode to one of your contacts who is currently thinking about found, founding something new. Um, because there's a lot of value, a lot of keywords, and you can throw in your questions under this uh, episode, and then maybe we can get you, Lukas, to a follow-up uh, on certain details. I would love that. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Paul. And what I take as a, as a takeaway of this episode is just to start and start talking with everyone, uh, allow other people to challenge it, and accept those challenges because they will help you to find the right answers and just take the first step. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for wrapping it up. Thank you for being here, Lukas and Goncha. See you next time. See you guys. Thank you, Lukas. Cheers. Thank you.